hands together. Worship His holy name. 
all stand together.
Amazing grace. It's because of that grace, Lord, that we can echo the Lord's prayer. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I want to teach you a new song. It's called Here as in Heaven. Spirit of the Lord is here. 
God fall for us. Spirit of 
sing it together, just the voices. How great is our God. Sing with me. one more time. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Amen. Let's lift up our lungs. Clap offering to the Lord. Good morning. Why don't we continue our standing and just greet one another in the name of the Lord. All right, let's let the high schoolers file out, and we'll, we'll continue on. Welcome again to Harvest Community Church. We're so happy that you were able to make it here this morning. Uh, inside your uh, bulletin, there's a little tear-off sheet. If you're new here, we'd ask you to fill it out and, and drop it in the offering so we can get to know you better. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, you could also write that on there and drop it in the offering basket as well. Uh, today is the last day to register for the sports camp. So we're having a new VBS style this year, and it will occur on July 5th, 11th through the 15th. Uh, it's an afternoon VBS, so keep that in mind when you're signing up. And it'll be here out in the back uh, in the field outside behind our uh, senior center. So see Jerry outside after service today to, to sign up. Um, Next is the family retreat, as it says up there. Um, so there are spots available, and the deadline to register is on July 24th. Um, okay, August 7th. Polly just informed me that August 7th is the last day to register, and the retreat will be on September 3rd through the 5th. Uh, let's see. Prayer Circle, it will be on Wednesday, July 6th at the Moy's house. Um, the park will be watching a movie at the lake on Ju Friday, July 8th from 7.30 to 10. Uh, meet at the North Lake Gazebo in Woodbridge. Uh, bring a blanket and um, 
Be ready for a good time of fellowship. Here's a good special one for me. So on Saturday, July 9th, we'll be having our monthly men's coffee and donuts right next door at the Woodbridge Village. Um, come on out, have a, uh, some coffee and, and donuts and bonding. Um, it'll be at 7. We'll get together, hang out, and you'll be able to get on your way in the morning and, and spend the rest of the day with your, with your family. Um, let's see. Oh, the seniors will have their, their um, Bible study on Thursday, July 7th at Irvine Presbyterian. And then um, probably the most important thing, inside your bulletin, you'll see this yellow sheet of paper. If you could sign up for something, um, we're always short on, on volunteers to help out with the kids. Uh, it, it's something that we would all need to help pitch in. We're always short on volunteers to uh, teach. If you could find it in your heart to uh, fill it out. If you don't feel like you're um, qualified, everybody's qualified. Um, I've even taught for a number of years. So anyone could do it. And if you would like to just put your name on the list, we'll work with you and, and put you in partnership with a more experienced teacher so you can get the feel of, of how things work and, and know that you can do it on your own. So um, please put your name down. Put this sheet into the uh, offering basket, and then we'll contact you and, and, and work with you to, to, to get you set up with uh, a teacher if that's what you need. If you just want to go head in and jump feet first, that'd be great as well. So, um, let's see, inside your bulletin is also the, the verse. Uh, let's pull that out. If you have your Bibles, uh, pull that out. If you have it on your tablet or your phone, pull that out. We'll be reading from Titus chapter 1. I'll read chapters 1 through 4, and then we'll turn it over to, to Trey. So follow along with me, Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to build up the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his message in the proclamation that I was entrusted with by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So right now, Trey will share with us how the gospel will produce fruit in the lives of believers in the form of Christ-like character and good works. Thanks, Eric. Can you hear me yet? Uh, I'm just gonna, just gonna force it. There we go. All right. Can you hear me now? Still don't hear me. Okay. The green light is on. You see. And now I get to adjust this guy. Oh, it's falling, it's falling down. I can't get up. There we go. How's that? A little better. Do I have to hold it? All right. If it starts sliding down, just you know, point. Just this, this, uh, this one's on its last leg. The clips are gone. In any case, all right, well, here we are. 
Uh, I'm your guest speaker today, and as you may have noticed with guest speakers, even though we're in a series through the Bible, and it's specifically what book is the series in right now? First John. Guest speakers are not allowed to contribute to the series, so I, I have my own special plan for you today. Uh, we're going to start a series within a series, and, and with your help, will you help me? With your help... We're going to start and finish a series in a, in a whole book of the Bible today. All three chapters. It's the book, or rather the letter of Titus, uh, the letter from Paul to Titus. So to do that, I'm going to need a little bit of help from you just to get set up. Uh, well, I'll get set up first, and then I'll need more help from you. Uh, but the first thing that I would like you to, to think about, think about our location, think about Orange County. We're, we're positioned in Southern California. And, oh no, you're not going to be able to read anything today. It's too light. Okay, maybe maybe you can. Anyway, maybe your eyes will adjust to the, the faintness up there. Okay, thank you, that should do. Uh, the question is, how would you describe uh, the people of Orange County? And I'm not talking about the people across the pew from you. I know you like to describe them, but maybe the people down the street who you know don't go to church, uh, or the people that your kids go to school with, or people you're shopping with or driving on the freeway with. What's the image, or what's unique about Orange County? Just think of a, a, a couple words, a word or phrase that comes to mind. Uh, do you have one yet in your head? Do you have it? Just take, I want you to take a minute and, and just share the word or phrase that came to mind with the person next to you or someone nearby. Uh, and yeah, just to get started. Okay, they're having a little too much fun in the front row. I, I better bring it, bring it back, bring it back. Yeah, it's not working. Do we have one with a better clip? This is, this is. Yeah, this just goes up and down. Uh, handheld, I, I, I guess, but I, I could hold this, right? <laughs> okay. Thanks, Eric. Are you off? Okay, good. They're having a lot of fun up here at the front. It, took, it was a slow start, but then I, I started to hear them get into it. Um, I'd just like to hear a couple samples. Uh, and you might notice, I, I want you to have out your, your notes, sermon notes, and you'll probably need a, uh, a pen. You probably don't want to use your own Bible because it's going to get messy. So that's why I gave you a, a, a special version today. Uh, so have a pen, have this version. Uh, you, you notice, don't be disappointed when you look at the sermon notes, there's no blanks. You don't get to fill in the blank today. Sorry, we're changing it up because this is my series, okay? Uh, but you still have a lot of work to do. I'm going to do the filling in of the blanks and you're going to do other things, which you'll find out momentarily. Okay, uh, one or two words or phrases. What, what came up? I'm going to fill in some blanks up here, but you don't get to. Affluent, Affluent. okay, that's a good one. Others? Dressy? 
Oh, oh, busy, yeah. <laughs> and dressy, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard preoccupied. I think that fits in with busy. Others? Trend setting, nice. Okay, there's a positive one. How about that? Trend setting and nice. Yeah, trend setting maybe for the rest of the country. Nice. Yeah, they're nice. Bubble, bubble, uh, insulated bubble, kind of a non-reality zone, is that kind of the idea? Okay, our own little world. Sheltered, yeah, the bubble fits with sheltered. Uh, I heard some good ones up here. <laughs> pretentious, okay, pretentious. Okay, that's good. That's, that's enough fodder to get us started. Uh, so... Before we get into the, the reading, which is where you'll help me uh, the most, uh, I want to tell you, tell you the tale of two California businessmen. Uh, but I'm only going to tell you half of each story. So we'll leave it hanging until, until we get toward the end. Uh, so it's about Stuart the oil man and William the candy man. <clears throat> Both of them were born back east uh, in, let's see, Stuart was born in 1840 in Pennsylvania. Uh, he dropped out of school at the age of 11 to become an apprentice to a tanner, so I guess making leather goods and things like that. <clears throat> he he was a, had a strong faith in Christ from an early age, and he saved up his earnings until he had the princely sum of $125. And his dream uh, was to become a missionary for Christ. He wanted to use the money to do that. <clears throat> now, I'd, the story falls apart a little bit. I don't know what happened between that and his investment of $100 in an oil well. <laughs> but he lost every cent of the $100 that he invested in oil well. And that was, that was within six months of the first well being, being drilled anywhere in the U.S. So it's the early side of the oil, but he lost it all. Civil War broke out. Uh, he joined the Union Army. <clears throat> after, the, uh, after the war, Stewart went back uh, to Pennsylvania and got involved in oil uh, dr uh, wells drilling again. And after a certain amount of success in the 1880s, he came out to Southern California and began drilling wells around here. Uh, so uh, his, he and his brothers uh, together f merged three other co uh, two companies into what's called Union Oil. You may have heard of it. Uh, eventually became UNOCAL, or 76 UNOCAL. You can see the 76 uh, emblem. That, that's from Union Oil that Stuart uh, helped to found. Uh, so they're, they're very successful. Uh, in 1900, the company made $10 million in profits. Eight years later, uh, under his leadership, uh, they were making $50 million in profits. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of money for 110 years ago. Uh, yeah, very successful. But you might be wondering, what happened? What happened to the young missionary? Was he still alive inside that businessman's heart? And we'll stop his story there and come back to him at the end. Let's move on to William the Candyman. <coughs> Uh, William the Candyman was born in uh, 1921, so a lot later than Stuart. Uh, born in Oklahoma, uh, went to a small college out there and described himself at the time as a happy pagan. He was a pagan and he was, he was perfectly fine with that. Uh, he moved to California like so many other businessmen and uh, opportunistic people who want to make a fortune uh, to, to find wealth and success. And his, his plan was to start uh, a candy business. Uh, he started out in catering, had a catering company, uh, and then eventually established uh, Williams California Confections, uh, which you may not have heard of. 
But in any case, he started his company, and his dream was to you know, take over the, the candy industry. And he was driven, and he was passionate, and he was focused. Uh, and eventually, the organization that he founded uh, had over 20,000 employees in nearly 200 countries. So you're wondering why you haven't heard of it. We'll get back to that. But in 1944, as he was attending a Hollywood Presbyterian Church, uh, he came under the influence of his, uh, a, a very uh, godly Sunday school teacher, uh, and through the, the preaching at the church, uh, gave his life to Christ, realized he needed Jesus. He was no longer a happy pagan. Uh, and he became a Christian, and God began to change his life. How would his newfound faith change him and the, his company that he founded? Uh, that's part one for William the Candyman, and we'll come back to him at the end also. So, now we get on to your part. I told you you have to help me to start and finish this uh, series today. So here's the hard part, is reading it, because I really think we need to read the whole thing uh, to uh, appreciate what God's doing uh, through, through Paul's letter to Titus. Uh, so we're, we're just here. Uh, yeah, go to the next one. Background. So background. Uh, the letter of Titus is called uh, a pastoral epistle of Paul. There's three, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And Titus is the shortest by far. It's only 46 verses. It's not going to take us more than five minutes. Uh, actually, it's only 19 sentences. You guys can stay awake for 19 sentences, right? You can read just a few of them. You'll be fine. Uh, so the background. I like Titus a lot. I like it because uh, I like the book of Acts a lot. The book of Acts is very exciting. It's fast-paced. We see uh, the, the victorious spirit of the early Christian movement busting forth into a totally pagan environment and, and overcoming all kinds of odds. Uh, it's still quite a minority at the end of the book, and it, the, book, the book of Acts ends with Paul in prison in Rome. But we, we have a pretty good idea what happened after Acts. Uh, it's near the end of his two years of imprisonment in Rome and under house arrest. Uh, Acts stops there. If we had a part two of Acts, we'd have to put it together from some of these letters. And Titus, Titus falls in that narrow window of time, about five years between uh, Paul getting released from prison in 62 A.D., and his being uh, executed in 67 A.D. Uh, remember, he, in Romans, he talked about his dream to go on to Spain. He wanted to take the gospel anywhere it hadn't been preached before. That was his passion, to go to new, new places uh, and take the gospel to the lost. Uh, so he may very well have gone to Spain, but it happens after Acts, and we don't know. But we know for sure that he went to Crete. And you might be reading this about uh, Paul writing to Titus. He says in verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete. Uh, that's the whole context for this, this letter. Uh, he, he was in Crete with Titus. They were starting churches all across the island. Now, you, from Acts, you remember they did this in Cyprus with Barnabas. But this is Crete. It's, it's not mentioned in Acts as part of his missionary journeys. Uh, so, for some time, he was in Crete, founding churches in all of the towns on the island. But then he, he had to leave before an important part of the work was done. And he left Titus there to carry out the commission. Uh, so this letter com is, is coming back to uh, Titus, and we can see from the biographical data at the beginning and the end, Titus isn't going to be there very long. He's supposed to join Paul in, to, for winter in Nicopolis up in, uh, in the area of northern Greece. Uh, that's the very end of the, the book. So he's only got a little more time there, and so this letter is to help him finish the job, to finish it well. Uh, so, and it's uh, just a couple years, about 65. It's, it's maybe one to two years before Paul's in prison the second time uh, and when he, when he dies. Okay, so now to your job. 
Uh, next. Okay, instructions. Next. Okay, you have three things to do with your pen and your paper. The first one is to underline. Underline every name of a place. There's only two. Underline every name of a person, except for God and all the equivalents of God and Jesus. Don't underline those. Underline the names of people, uh, each group of people, types of people mentioned. Okay? Uh, don't do it now. We'll do it while we're reading. So you don't, don't start. You have to listen. You know? You're going to miss the other instructions, and you're not going to have any circles or squares. Okay. So grammarians, what, what are we underlining? What, which, yeah, what are these things? Proper nouns, right? Okay, proper nouns, sorry. Okay, they may not be proper if they're not capitalized, but you, you, get, you get it. People, types of people. Okay, the next instruction, and, oh, I lost my boxes and circles. Oh, no, oh hit it. There it is, circles. Uh, circle, uh, yeah, what are we circling? We're circling every occurrence of the word message or teaching or any equivalent. Uh, this is referring to the gospel, but this is how he talks about it in Titus. Now, normally, in a Bible study, we just read through it, and I'd say, what word stood out to you? I'm just going to tell you. There's a couple words that really stand out. It's a message and teaching. Uh, So we're going to circle it, and at the end, we'll see what we have. And then the next one, box, hit it again. You'll see the box, box, hit it again. Yeah, one more, box, there it is. We're going to draw a box around every occurrence of the word works or deeds or any equivalent term. Uh, It's pretty much it's just works. So I want you to see how often these are said and how, how, where they stand out. And before we start reading, and we have different paragraphs. I have a different group assigned to read each paragraph. Eric has so kindly helped us start, so we're already into it. Uh, but before we start reading, let me just pray for us. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, that we could be gathered here together. Each one of us is here for a reason. Thank you so much for your faithful message uh, that has been preserved to this day so that we can be saved. Thank you so much uh, for how your gospel message is internalized in our hearts, and when it does, your Holy Spirit produces uh, godliness, Christ-like character, uh, good works of every kind. I pray you'll bless us as we read, give us energy, give us insight, and encourage our hearts by your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Eric has, we're going to go ahead and read. Eric has read this one, the introduction. Uh, so we'll go down to the next one. All right, where are the elders and deacons in the church? Uh, here's one. Are there any others? Is Leslie here? Oh, wait, only two, three, four. Okay, all right. So we'll start with the small group. These guys are going to have to read a little louder. Guide us through this first section, uh, verses 5 through 9. One, two, three. The reason I left you in Crete was to set aside what's left done. And I directed you to appoint elders in every town, one who is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of wildness or rebellion. For an overseer, as God's administrator, must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Okay, keep your pens going, underlining, boxing, and circling. Uh, Next we have the men. The men are going to read 10 through 16. All right, do you see it? Four there. Men, one, two, three. Four, there are also many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception 
especially those from Judaism. It is necessary to silence them. They overthrow whole households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, so rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of men who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and disqualified for any good work. Okay, the next one, chapter 2, 1 through 10. Surprise. Okay. We can have a break and listen to this one. It is a surprise. Is it not working? I'm going to give you the microphone if it doesn't work. Chapter 2. But you must say the things that are consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. They are to teach what is good so they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind and submissive to their husbands, so that God's message will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be ashamed, having nothing bad to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Okay, thanks, Tech Crew. And next is the women. All right, 11 through 3, verse 3. For the grace of God. Okay, and everyone, 4 through 10. But when the goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, 
through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out this Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted in sins, being self-condemned. And I'll do the conclusion. Uh, and don't forget to underline, box, and circle. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. And our people must also learn to devote themselves to good works for cases of urgent need so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. All right. Thank you for your diligence and hard work. And now I'm going to ask you for the word search results. How many circles do you have? Message, teaching, proclamation, and the like. Count them up. How many? Listen, why listening to me? Not enough time. Weren't you paying attention as the words went by? Someone was reading them. Okay, do you see a couple? Twelve. Oh, someone's overzealous. <laughs> Eleven. Not bad. Okay, all right, maybe there's some, there are some, there are a lot of illusions, even if it's not specifically saying it. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably nine or ten times with specific explicit references. There might be a f yeah, there are several allusions to it. Uh, what about works? Count them up. Eight. Yeah, is that about right? Yeah, there's uh, lots and lots of allusions to works, but yeah, eight. There's definitely eight explicit ones. Uh, that's right. So this is a, yeah, we'll come back to this. The, those are the two words that are most common in this uh, book besides uh, maybe good and God by themselves. And they, they, they really focus on the theme that, that Paul is very focused on, and we'll, we'll get back to that. But speaking of Paul's purpose, we'll go to the next slide. And, and let's look at Paul's purpose statement as he represents it uh, to Titus. And, yeah, okay, so in verse 1, Paul starts the letter by saying, Paul a slave of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ to build up the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, that leads to godliness. This is really his purpose statement for the, the churches of Crete and for, and for, uh, for Titus as well. Uh, but but his, he's, he knows his role. He knows who he is, who God's called him to be. Everywhere he is to build up the faith of the elect, build their faith, build their knowledge of the truth, the truth. Okay, and that, we might even add that to the faithful message or uh, sound teaching that is repeated, it, and it leads to godliness. He's clear about his purpose and his mission. Uh, and what about uh, Titus? 
Uh, Titus should be clear also. This isn't the first time Titus has heard Paul tell him what to do. He, he's, he knows he it, knows but he's just putting it in here again in case you've forgotten, in case you've gotten distracted uh, with other, other busy things of ministry. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone and, as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town. So there are many towns with brand new churches, with brand new Christians, and it takes time before you can identify, uh, see what God is doing in people's lives and, and see uh, who is mature and, and uh, understands the gospel message and can be uh, appointed as elders. And notice it's not an elder in each town, it's elders in every town. It's, it's not one person in charge of the church, it's a group, it's a, it's a group of leaders uh, who are more mature, who have more experience, who understand uh, the, the gospel and have internalized it, and we can see godliness and fruit in their life. And that, that's, that comes out through the, what we, we call the qualifications or the criteria that he, he lays out. So they have, a, they have clear purpose statements. Uh, Paul, he builds up the faith and knowledge of God's elect, uh, to, not for no reason, but to lead to godliness. Uh, Titus, his job on Crete is to appoint elders, complete the things that were not finished, and the most important is to appoint elders, leaders who will stay, because Titus is not a pastor for Crete. He's, he's Paul's representative, the apostolic representation from the founding of the churches, and he's just there to help establish the first generation of leadership, and then he goes to join Paul. Uh, very, so it's very clear. Uh, like Paul and Titus, uh, our church has a purpose. It has a mission, and it, there it is. It's also on the back of your uh, bulletin insert. Harvest Community Church mission statement. What are we to do? What has God put us in Orange County to do? Uh, to cultivate a community of harvesters who are maturing in Christ's likeness and making disciples across generations in Orange County and around the world. Did you know that? Did you know that's what we're doing? Does that surprise you? Do you see that and say, Hey, I didn't know we were doing that. I thought we were doing something else. Or do you see that and go, oh, yeah, that's why we have couples garden, and that's why promised land's important, and we're trying to make sure we have teachers for that. That's why we do the things we do here and the missions we invest in around the world. We have a mission. We have a purpose from God. God has placed us uniquely in a unique place, Orange County, uh, for his purposes for the Great Commission. Do you, do you see Bible verses popping out at you from this? We talk about harvesting. We talk about making disciples. We talk about the world. It's a Great Commission passage, and there's many, many other passages in the gospel that I think of when I look at this, growing in Christ-likeness. That's our mission. When you look at this mission statement, what aspect of it, what little piece of it, what about this mission excites you? What part of it reaches out to you and grabs your heart and says, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be about? What part of it? You don't have to say anything, but think about it. What, what part really moves you? What part do you want to get more involved in? In what ways are you already contributing to our vision of a Christ-like community at Harvest? Now think about yeah, the, the different ministries you help with the different ways you encourage the church members, things you do in the community because of your life at Harvest. And the last question, what opportunities 
or strengths do you have which could be leveraged for God's harvest community? What gifts, strengths, interests, passions, opportunities, access, what do you have that could be leveraged for God's harvest community here? And probably we all have something more that could be leveraged to to see this happening in Orange County, to see our church becoming uh, a, a real harvest community. Yeah, we want to we pray for their mission. We want to pray for God's work to be accomplished through our church, uh, through us individually, but through us as a body. Okay, next slide. All right, what is that? It looks like a train wreck. This is uh, the letter of Titus train wreck. All the words in the book, except for like articles, A and the, it's all there. And... Anything that's repeated is bigger than things that are not repeated. So the things that are the biggest are uh, repeated the most. I've, d- I've only done one tweak on this, and I, I made m- message and teaching the same, so that you see teaching is really big. Uh, what else is big? God. Well, that's good. It is the Bible. What else is big? Good. Yeah, there's lots of good used to refer to lots of things. What else is big? Works, yeah, it's off on the side, but it's, it, it is quite big. It's almost as big as teaching. Yeah, faith, sound, savior, good. So this, this is called Wordle. You can go to wordle.net and uh, throw any text that you have and paste it in there, uh, and it will put up this word cloud. And most of them are prettier than that, but they're harder to read, so I, I just picked one that was black and white and not as pretty. Uh, but that's, that's kind of fun sometimes to help you see what, what, what are the words and phrases being repeated in here. Okay, so back to what we, our word search. Message and works. Teaching and works. Uh, works? Works is very big in Titus. Uh, Paul uses it eight times. They may not sound like a lot, but there's only 46 verses. There's, there's only 19 sentences in this, in this letter and he says works, and he really talks about it in important ways, eight times. That's one time for every six verses. And so you might wonder, well, gosh, is that a lot, or is that, is that just normal for Paul? for Paul? Well, there's 13 letters of Paul in the New Testament. Um, in the pastoral letters, you might be interested that, to know that the average works, on average, in First, Titus, uh, first Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus is one time per 11 verses. Okay, well, okay. Uh, that has to do with his special purpose for the pastoral letters to these uh, younger preachers that he's, he's over. But in all of Paul's letter, the average is, re- is only one time per 22 verses. And Romans falls right on that average. A lot of other ones are less than that. Uh, and the pastorals are more, kicking the average up. But Titus, it's unreal. It's once every six verses. He's really, really camping on works, and he comes back to it and back to it. But still, message, gospel, teaching, it's still, it's still more. But it's very, very prominent. Why is Paul so concerned about works in Titus? Why does he talk about it more here than anywhere else? That's an that's a important question. Well, think about Crete. We don't know a lot about Crete, uh, first century Crete. Uh, in it, just us, we don't tend to think about it. Uh, but Crete had a reputation, and Paul wasn't shy about 
mentioning their reputation. Uh, okay, go to the next one and then hit it, hit it one more time. Cretans. He just says it. And he does, but he's like, all right, I'm quoting. I'm quoting literature, fine literature from 500 years before, uh, probably Epimenides, uh, who was from Crete. He said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. How would you like to live in that community of Crete? How would you like to move on a street where one of them said, oh, come on in. We're all liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Come hang out on a Saturday. It's, it's great. How would you like to go in there not just to live, but to be a light, the light of Christ, to be the only Christian, to be having a ministry, and to be raising up a, a young church? And, and Paul says, oh, you know, appoint elders, not just one, but a whole group of elders who meet these criteria, being blameless and able to teach and able to reprove the, the, the rebellious and I'm like, are you serious, Paul? We're talking about, look at what I'm starting with. <laughs> They're all cut from this cloth. Liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. The raw material is, is pretty sad. It's hard. Uh, but that's, that's where God called Paul and Titus, and that was Titus's uh, job description. Uh, to do, the church was already busting through and making inroads in several towns there. They had churches. Uh, they have... Uh, older men, young, uh, older women, younger men, younger women, the whole, whole families are coming to Christ. And the gospel is changing their lives. They're no longer liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. They're speaking the truth. They're gentle. They're kind. They're loving one another. Uh, Paul's describing a radical transformation that the gospel does in people's lives. And so we were looking at Orange County because our mission is per- local to Orange County as well as to the world. Uh, so uh, what, what are Orange County people like? Hit it again. So here are, the, here are the ones that I came up with. Maybe you don't like them. Maybe you'll protest. I'm not describing you. Remember the church. I'm describing your neighbors and you know, <laughs> the people that cut us off on the freeway. Uh, image obsessed, absorbed with self, and insatiable consumers. And it's, it's hard not to get caught up in that because we live in it all week long, uh, day in and day out. Uh, and the gospel is fighting, with, uh, in our life, it's fighting with that, those different pressures. Uh, but we see that, uh, and it's, we have to remember uh, that the gospel changes lives and we are different. Uh, so I thought it was interesting today, this is the Today's Orange County uh, Register. Uh, there's three things on the front. There's out of, uh, it's a surfing, marijuana, and not that sunny in OC, which is the one I want to point out. Not that sunny in OC, report on income, education, uh, and cost of living reveals a county struggling to match its image. Its image. We're always talking about image. Image means a lot, especially image of beauty and success in this county in particular. It's very important. Uh, but, pe- yeah, it's, we spend a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of money on image and trying to look good. Uh, not that much on substance, but a lot on surface. Uh, you don't get congratulated for uh, forming good new habits that, that are healthful or stopping old ones that were destructive. Uh, you don't get a lot of handshakes where people say, hey, yeah, you're gentle with your wife and your kids now. Way to go. Say, oh, new car. looks good. And we're about to do solar panels. Like, oh, I got the solar panels. It's, it's like it, it, it's, it's there, right? This is, this is where we live. This is where God has placed us. Uh, the, gos- the, the Great Commission is to be accomplished here in this, a place like this. And just like Crete, the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ, is going to 
It's going to stand out in a place like this, where people are absorbed with self. Uh, what, what if a family, instead of being a typical Orange County family uh, and paying so much attention to their own kids and their own sports activities and their own uh, school and everything, what if they were helping other people's kids? Now, th this report says one in four in Orange County live in poverty. Did you know that? What if there were people in Orange County who, yeah, who, who loved other people's kids? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that draw attention? Say, why are you doing that? You're nice. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not nice. Jesus changed my life. That's, what, that's the message we want to be able to share with people. So let's move on. Uh, something else unique in Titus, there's an incredible number of lists. What types of groups of people did you circle? The groups of people. What, what types of people are mentioned? Elders, Elders is the first. Older men, Older men next. <laughs> Older women. <laughs> you guys are smart. <laughs> All right. Finally, they got ahead of me on that one. Okay. Yes, slaves, rebellious, foolish, divisive. So there's seven lists, and each one has its own appropriate list of, of char godly characteristics they should have, uh, being hospitable, being self-controlled, uh, you know, speaking truth, all of these things. Uh, and, and there are also uh, things that they should be doing. Uh, then there's three negative lists. Say, oh, but don't be like the rebellious or the divisive. And, you know, you used to be like this, but thank God, you know, he saved us from that. Uh, so there's a lot of lists. And so I want to ask you the question, where do you find yourself in these lists? Where do you find yourself? Are you an elder, a deacon? Maybe. A few of you are. Are you an older man? I think that means married with kids. It seems to be from... From the context, uh, older women. Are you younger women, uh, single or newly married with young young kids? Younger men. Where do you find yourself in these lists? So, have you found it? Have you identified your? Okay, so look, find it in the passage. Find find your group of people, your stage of life. It's really about stage of life. F find it. And what does it say? What does it say you are to be like? And this is Crete, so these were happy pagans just a, you know, a year ago. And now God's changing their life. I, I think it's hilarious. Young men gets one word. Be self-controlled in everything. <laughs> just, that's it. Enough said. If, they, if a young men would just be self-controlled, all these problems would be gone, right? Yeah, that's so true, right? <laughs> Everyone else needs a little more unpacking. Okay, so you found yourself in the passage, your, your group, your stage of life. Uh, to, what's, uh, yeah, to what standard are these different groups called to live? And then for you, how well are you doing compared to this standard? How are you doing it? Uh, gentleness and patience and hospitality how are you doing at loving your husband and loving your children? That almost sounds humorous in Orange County. They had to encourage the young Christian women of Crete to love their husbands and their children. It's like, what was it like before the gospel got there? Yeah. And, and right, yeah, how about us? Maybe we should love other people's children. Okay. How well are you doing compared to the standard? Well, what you'll notice is uh, it starts with the elders, and then it goes to older men and younger uh, and older women, it kind of works down. And so if you're doing pretty well, you feel like you're doing well, I mean, ask your spouse. They'll tell you you're not. 
Uh, but <laughs> if you're not, I'll tell you. <laughs> Uh, but look at one up, you know, if you're a young man, look at the older man. What do, I, what do I need to be to grow in maturity? If you're an older man but you're not an elder, look at what the elders and, and deacons are called to and say, oh, where am I lacking on this that I could grow and I could be, I could be a blessing to the church? I could uh, help build up the faith of the church uh, if I grew in these areas. Uh, and before you go, uh, you know, and starting New Year's resolutions, remember that it's the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit that changes that changes lives and that brings hope. It's, it's not hard work and elbow grease. It's, yeah, it's the gospel. Okay, so it's about change lives. And we say change lives a lot. Uh, Tanya and I, we're, we're missionaries, so we're, you know, in our prayer letters, we always talk about change lives. That's, that's what we're shooting for. We want to see God changing lives of lost students uh, and turning in, them into a totally different type of person. Uh, but I've noticed, in the last year, I've noticed changed lives, changing lives is so common. It's being used by everybody, not even Christian groups now. I, I bought a bag of chips at Ralph's. I just need a $2 bag of chips to go with my salsa. <laughs> and it's, it's homies chips or something from L.A. And they're doing a great work, you know, changing lives among street kids and getting them into gainful employment making these chips. And I just thought, oh, the bag of chips is changing lives. I'm like, we've got to redefine this a little bit because everyone is changing lives. We're talking about is uh, a total transformation. Uh, Jesus talked about good trees producing good fruit and bad trees producing bad fruit. It's natural to the essence of the the plant to produce in kind, right? So I've got these palm trees out front. They're terrible. They they're just scraggly. They never grow. Uh, the only thing that grows is the nasty seed pods. They split open and the flies and bees come. And I was just cutting them off uh, yesterday. Uh, but they, they don't produce anything. Now, if, if a palm tree produced anything, you know, kind of interesting, it would probably be a coconut, like a coconut palm, right? But a palm tree is not going to produce strawberries or apples. If it did, people would go, what? That palm tree is growing apples. That's crazy. How did it do that? You'd know that there's some kind of transformation taking place inside that tree, right? It would, ha- it would have to be. And so it is in Crete. For Cretans who are liars, generally, it's a stereotype, right? Liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons to be loving their families well, to be loving one another, no longer detesting one another. It's, it's such a glorious uh, climax in the passage when he says that in 3, uh, three, three. For we too once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures. Sounds like Orange County, right? Living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another, But when the goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. We didn't save ourselves. It's not by works of righteousness that we had done, but it's according to his mercy. We have nothing to brag about that our lives have been changed or transformed. But how deeply transformed are they? Uh, To what extent has the gospel of Jesus Christ changed your life? If it, if it only amounts to uh, swearing less, uh, reading the Bible more, going to church on Sunday, and, and being nice, that's not a transformation. That's, that's not a transformation. That's, that's just a little bit of self-improvement. But Paul is very clear that gospel is not about sin management. It's about a radical transformation that produces radically different fruit. So, In what areas have you, and think about your life and your walk with Christ, uh, if you are already there, 
In what areas have you really been transformed? Can you really see transformation in your life? Think about it for a moment. God's Spirit's the one that produces those when we trust in Him. And I love the new song that uh, Jerry just taught us. The evidence is all around. The evidence should be all around that the Holy Spirit is here. If the Holy Spirit is here, it will produce, He will produce the good fruit in, in our lives that we and others can see. Uh, our church will be producing good fruit and, and will be representing the godliness, uh, the character of Jesus not because of our works of righteousness, because God changed our life. Okay, so let's go back to our tales of the businessmen. Stuart, the oil man. What happened to the young missionary heart in, in Lyman Stewart? It's, his name is Lyman Stewart. Uh, it, never, it never left him. Uh, he was a very committed Christian as a successful businessman, and here are some of the things that he did in the L.A. area. In 1891, uh, before they moved their headquarters to Los Angeles, uh, they were in the area, he would be driving to Los Angeles periodically. And you think homelessness is a modern problem. It's, it's some political failure or something in the last 50 years. They had a homelessness problem in the 1800s in L.A. Did you know that? And so he would see homeless people out in the city, and it, his heart was broken for the poor and downtrodden. Uh, and as a wealthy man, he had opportunities that he could, he could change those lives. And so he, Lyman Stewart, is the one who founded uh, what was then called the Pacific Gospel Mission on the location where City Hall is today. They kicked them out, uh, made the move to Skid Row in 94. But uh, it's now called the Union Rescue Mission. Have you heard of that? And Union Oil, remember the connection. Pacific Gospel Mission, now it's the Union Rescue Mission. It's one of the biggest private organizations helping the homeless in the country. Started by the vision of that young missionary uh, the, the boy inside, the young missionary inside of that oil man. In 1908, uh, Lyman Stewart was very concerned about the creeping, uh, uh, decaying effects of liberal theology and modernism, uh, the theology coming over from Germany that, that was questioning the Bible, and they, they would say, Paul didn't even write Titus, look how much he talks about works, <laughs> you know, as if that proves anything. Uh, and so he was very concerned that uh, we were going to lose the faithful message. It was being corrupted. And so what did Lyman Stewart do? Uh, they, he bought a pool hall on Main Street, and they started having revival meetings in the first floor, and Bible classes on the second floor, which uh, that year in 1908 became the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, now known as Biola University, uh, which is, thank God, still teaching the faithful message, uh, un, unchanged, uncorrupted. Uh, so right after that, uh, they, they started an initiative that wasn't enough. Uh, they started something called the Fundamentals, this huge theological treatise. It's like 12 volumes uh, representing all of Protestant Christianity, uh, stating, you know, we believe in, you know, <laughs> we believe in the gospel the, the, the way it was handed down to us, and the Bible is the word of God. It's, it's inerrant, and it tells us the word of God. Without that, we can't be saved. Uh, yeah, he, di he did a lot. Uh, in 19, let's see, there's another, t there's a story about someone came to him, and to Lyman Stewart, and said, hey, we don't have enough Bibles in the Philippines. Uh, he, he paid for them to translate the Bible into the, the Philippine language and get the, produce the Bible, ship it out there under, you know, the, 100 years ago, right? And he made sure it got done uh, because that was an important need. He wanted people to have the word of God. The mission, so he, he was a successful businessman, but he has, left his, he has left his legacy in L.A. that people are still being blessed from today. 
so William the Candyman, you might have figured out, is really called Bright's California Confections. That company didn't go very far because Bill and Vonette Bright uh, were called by God to start a campus work, and they founded Campus Crusade for Christ in 1951. After signing a contract between themselves and God that they would be slaves of God for their whole lives, that everything they have is his. It's really a, the basic Christian commitment, but they wrote it out. And he, they said, it's clear in the Bible that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. We belong to him, and everything we have belongs to him. In 1979, uh, he helped to produce the Jesus film, which is now translated into 1,500 languages, pretty much every language with 20,000 speakers, every dialect. Uh, and he's written hundreds of books and, and so on. So there are two different stories of L.A. B- businessmen, people who came out here for different reasons, but God had a purpose, changed their lives. So uh, that, that's Titus. That's our series. Thank you for helping me that we could start it and finish it today. And uh, I'll go back to our Harvest Community mission statement to cultivate a community of harvesters who are maturing in Christ-likeness uh, and making disciples across generations in Orange County and the world. Let's do that together, shall we? And let me close in prayer. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for the faithful message uh, that has been passed down to us uh, Uh, through the hands of so many faithful men and women uh, over the centuries and across continents, uh, that we could worship you today in truth and and, uh, we could see our lives radically transformed uh, to produce fruit that we are unable to produce on our own. It's only produced uh, by faith in Christ and by the gospel, which uh, you sent your son, and Jesus is willing to to die for us to make that happen. Uh, Thank you that your spirit is here, the evidence is here, because your spirit lives in us. Uh, Help us know that power more. Help us see the evidence lived out in our personal life, in our family life, in our church life, and in this uh, hurting county. And we lift it to you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. never really studied through Titus before, so that was amazing. Um, We're going to continue worship uh, with giving back to God, so uh, deacons are going to come forward and pass the offering bag around. You can just drop your welcome card in there if you've got time to fill it out. And just uh, as a closing, we're going to kind of remind ourselves that um, part of the fruit is the praise fruit of our lips and so this song is about um, producing that fruit that it would ever be on our lips
bread of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon. With mercy for today, faithful you have been, faithful yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be
Let's all remain standing for the benediction. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. Um, stay and have a time of refreshment and fellowship.